transmitted live across the Atlantic 3,000 miles and five hours backwards in time. We are now getting your sound clearly and we are looking forward with great anticipation to seeing your program. I think Bellingham right now is the player in world football. I don't know, maybe his habits, like experiments, is not working. Do we, do we have to? Welcome to the first ever edition of Match Report. Uh, I'm Jack and I'm here with Manny. Manny, how you doing? I'm good, bro. What are you saying? I'm all right. It's been a long weekend for the Arsenal, but we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, I think we we better start in Germany, actually, uh, with Borussia Dortmund against Bayern Munich. They call it their classicer. But did this go down as a classic as far as you're concerned? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, Bayern, they're they're kind of flying at the moment. Um, Dortmund have lost a lot of of firepower, a lot of players, man. I think they're going to go through... A little transition period until they can rebuild that squad that can challenge again. Um, they really should have won the title last season, last last kick of the game, really. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really a contest, man. Harry Kane's on fire at the moment. Hat trick. I think he's the fastest uh, German player to score. I think like three or four hat tricks, like in the league or something crazy like that. So mm-hmm. he, yeah, he's he's on four, man, and he's scoring all different types of goals, man. Pens, close range. You know, counter-attacking goals. He set up plays amazing, as you expect. But yeah, man, Bayern looking like they're flying. What do you think of the game? Yeah, it didn't really pan out as we might have hoped. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Dortmund defended reprehensibly. Uh, I don't know if you noticed on the on the opening goal, six minutes in, mm-hmm. uh, Nico Schlotterbeck is sort of he's laughing, he's giggling with uh, Dio Upamecano. Just gets beat, all ends up. Yeah. Immediately after, um, you got to think he's getting chewed out in the dressing room. <laughs> yeah, but he's 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 ha- he's got a mistake in him, though, man. Mm. He's got a mistake yeah. in him for sure. And then you know, you look at there. There's a couple times when it was so easy to get in behind their fullbacks and in, into those channels. And when you have people like Leroy, Leroy Sané with that kind of pace, it was no contest really. And then, of course, as you mentioned. You know, not, Harry Kane gets a hat trick, but for me, and the reason that, you know, bit of controversy, but I would actually pick him before Erling Holland uh, as my, the striker in my team. Uh, okay. The way that he drops into midfield, creates the extra man, becomes an, like one of the better playmakers around, I think. And then, unlike some of, some of the strikers you see around, the, the, the uh, you know, Lacazettes of the world, he actually gets up into the box to join the move when they're getting to the, the business end of things as well. Um, so I, I think that they are, you know, one of the most formidable teams around. I mean, yeah. Wh- yeah. where do you, you know, well, first of all, you, you're welcome to disagree with my Harry Kane take. <laughs> but I'd also be curious, you know, where you think they sit in this pantheon of the great European teams at the moment. Um, well, with Harry Kane, 100%. One of the top, I'll say, three strikers in the world. I think the difference between him and Haaland is Haaland's just, he's more powerful. Um, in front of goal, you probably say they're equal, but I don't know, man. What, what Haaland did last season is, is crazy, but he's playing in an incredible team. You're always going to get chances, I see. Um, but yeah, I guess his, his overall play, his approach play is not as good as, as Kane's. Technically, I don't think he's as clean as Kane, but I do think he's just, he's more lethal in front of goal. So it kind of depends on the kind of the kind of player you want and the kind of striker you're looking for. If you want that number nine in the box, clinical, then I don't think there's anyone better than Haaland. But if you want that 
all round number nine, then then Kane's the best best out there. In terms of where I see Bayern, I mean they're playing in, in a farmers league, man. I'm sorry to have to say it, it's a farmers league. So when it comes to Champions League, that's when I'm really gonna test them. I'm really gonna have a look and see can they compete in midfield defensively as well. When they're playing in Germany, you know, they're scoring three, four goals every game, you know. So let's see how they are against, you know, some of the other European sides. Too early in the season to see, but um, I think they'll be up there. Quarterfinals, semifinals at least in the Champions League. Um, now with Kane up front, that 100% gives them that, that extra chance as well. So, yeah, man, this, this season's between City and, and Bayern for me for the Champions League. Yeah, I do think that they suffer from that PSG effect where you're not getting mm-hmm. tested on a regular basis. Yeah. Then, you know, you have a real showdown and sometimes it's hard to get up to that level again. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, even in La Liga, I mean, for you know, Premier League is, is I, I believe, a notch above. But even in La Liga, you have a bunch of teams that can give you a proper game. And it just yeah. doesn't, I mean, I guess Bayer Leverkusen under Chabi Alonso look a legitimate outfit in Germany, but... Yeah, it's hard they're to They're playing with no pressure, though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're playing with no pressure. It's it's going to be very different when, you know, it's business at the end of the season, come come to, you know, April, last 10 games of the season. That's when you really see, you know, the mentality of these teams. You know, he's got a pretty young side as well, um, Alonso, young young manager. So they can just enjoy their football at the moment. When the pressure turns up, let's see how they handle because you saw what happened with Dortmund last season, and it happens... A lot with a lot of clubs, you know, across Europe. So, but no, they're playing great football. We've got a great young player in Wurtz. Um Yeah, let's let's see what what Bayern do this season. Man. But I think I think at least Champions League spot is where they're going to be at. Yeah, I do want to give some flowers to Jamal Musiala, who I think he gets lost a little bit because he and Jude Bellingham came up together, similar yeah. age profile. Um, but I, I think he's up those two and, uh, the two kids at Barcelona, Pedri and Gabi, those seem like the cream of the crop for attacking midfield these days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man, who's your, who's your favorite? Who's your pick out out of the four? I think Bellingham right now is the player in world football in terms of, you know, everyone's always scoring tap-ins, but he's getting in those positions. He's also dropping into deeper midfield, sliding in, winning the ball. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I, it's hard to look past him, but I also feel like we've been robbed of Pedri a little bit through injury. Mm-hmm. Gavi also has that side to his game where he's sort of a sort of a nasty customer, yeah. 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 <laughs> which I yeah. like. I think it's necessary. You know, uh, where where do you uh, sit on things? Yeah, and especially what you said about Gavi, so true. You don't really see that with Spanish players as well, especially like the the smaller technical ones. But he does have that bit of a bit of bite about him that will suit him probably in the Premier League. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Um, for me, I'd probably say Bellingham. Hmm. Probably say Bellingham as well. But not far off is definitely going to be Musiala. I think he's he's just so smooth with it, man. Musiala is silky. He's smooth. He's always involved. Um, I do feel like if Bellingham doesn't doesn't get a goal, or he doesn't affect the final third, he's not as effective in general or how the team plays. Whereas Musiala, regardless of you know his his output in terms of goals or assists, he's con- constantly like conducting, and he's like a he's a focal point in their in their attack at such a young age as well. So big things to come from him, man. Yeah, the way that he runs with the ball, it it reminds me almost of like an Eden Hazard or or even uh, he has that messy thing where 
he's going at pace, but he takes all these little touches and he's dragging it along with him like it's on a string. It's very difficult to, to deal with for the for the defense. Um, so it'll be fun to watch. I can't wait till the knockout rounds. It seems like Byron are already through. It's you know they, I think yeah. if they win on match day four or this week, they're already they're yeah, already through. Yeah, yeah. At maybe perhaps at United's expense, but we'll, we'll get to that as well. well. We'll get to United. Don't worry about that one. <laughs> well, yeah, I but guess yeah. we should we should go up to England, and uh, mm-hmm. I guess we'll start with Newcastle Arsenal. We'll start with my suffering first. Um, I got to say this before we even get to the VAR stuff. Okay. I got to say that when you go to St. James's Park, Newcastle yeah. are allowed to foul you. Like, it's just a fact. They, they, they foul you constantly. And it's just Bay, allowed. St. James's Park is, is it's not nice, man. It's just not nice. You've got to go there and you have to be prepared to battle. And I think previous Arsenal sides were always acceptable to that just little extra aggression. But definitely with Declan Rice, man. You guys are, are matching that physicality. Havertz as well, he brings that extra bit of height, bit of physicality, but I just think they wanted it more, man. They definitely wanted it more. Ref was 100% on their side, but you're going to get that advantage. Um, I just think Arsenal, they're not clinical. They're not a clinical side, and you guys need if probably a striker in January. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. But it, although you guys top of the league, it, it doesn't seem as as fluid as it was last season. So I don't know. Maybe this habits like experiment is just not working, man. I think it's absolutely right. I, I think there, there's a conscious effort to be more compact, harder mm-hmm. to break down. A realization that you know over the course of the season you can't play champagne football, but. Yeah. You're right that we've gone way too far in the other direction where we don't have that same fluency. I do, you know, as much as Declan Rice was everywhere, and he really was, does he offer the same thing going forward that even Granite Xhaka did, the much maligned Granite Xhaka, who now, of course, is in that, you know, top of the table Bayer Leverkusen mm-hmm. team down in Germany. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think we have that missing piece between linking the midfield to the attack. I, I don't think that Martin Odegaard has started the season very well at all we'll sack before up. the injury. Saka and Martinelli, I mean, the key to our play is getting the ball to the wingers early to isolate mm-hmm. them one-on-one for them to yeah. torment the fullback. But we were unable to get it to Saka at all. He was marked out of the, the match, which is going to happen because everybody is all over him. But then mm-hmm. Martinelli, when he did get on the ball in the second half, I didn't see him beating a man. I think he should be beating uh, Livermento down, down that, that flank. And you're right that, you know, when it, when it comes to it, Eddie and Ketty is a great guy to send out against, uh, you know, the Sheffield, Sheffield United of the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But when, it, you know, when you're in a hothouse atmosphere away from home, you need to snatch one. You need mm-hmm. a Harry Kane or mm-hmm. an Erling Holland to just mm-hmm. make it for you, to, to steal the game for you. I'm not sure that we have that, that yeah. player. What, what did you think when he got to the number 14, the fabled shirt? I think we've been given that out. I mean, it's, it's, kind of, it's a bit cursed. I mean, I guess Aubameyang scored quite a few goals in, in that yeah. jersey before he really, you know, went went off to pasture. But yeah. uh, it, it was a bit much for me. I, I've never been convinced by Eddie Nketiah at the top yeah. level. I think he is a Premier League striker. There's no doubt about it. And I think yeah. he's better outside of the box linking stuff together than he's often given credit for. But I also find it crazy how often I hear people talk about Gabriel Jesus and Eddie Nketiah as if they are 
a similar profile of player. I think no, no, Gabby Jesus is, is that next level up, not as a clinical finisher, but as an all-around footballer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was a frustrating it was it was frustrating to watch because the truth is, you know, we can complain about the referee, and I'm sure that I am about to embark on that within the next couple of minutes. You, you didn't really create much. We didn't create. We didn't create yeah. very much. Neither did they, to be honest. I yeah. think a nil nil would have been probably fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, it does. It is difficult to deal with. It to me, it's not just the fact that I believe there was a foul on the goal. I think that Joe, Joe Ellington, you know, he, he gets spotted three or four fouls every match at St. James's Park. Bruno should have been off, even though, you know... I, he, yeah, but Havertz should have been off as well, though. Yeah, I think Havertz could have gone. I thought he was going to go. Uh, yeah. And having been an Arsenal fan for 17 years, that had all the hallmarks of uh, Arsenal <laughs> sending off in the 34th minute or whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, I, I can live with Bruno being on, on the pitch, even though he subsequently had two more yellow card offenses. Yeah. But to me, it's more the ticky-tack stuff that goes on all match. You know, Saka gets kicked off the pitch every match, but up there, it's another level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think, you know, if you're allowed to foul, the game becomes easier. And, you know, every home team gets calls, but I think St. James Park, they... You know, they talk about sucking the goals in when it's the 89th minute at Old Trafford back in the day. I feel like they suck the refereeing decisions in so that you, <laughs> they can they can get away with pretty much anything. But I'd be curious about, you know, you watching. Were you thinking, you know, this is a physical game or something more? It's a physical game, but I do think it's a bit of sour grapes from Arsenal fans. Yeah, a little maybe bit. so. Because <laughs> your performance didn't deserve anything more at best, like you said, than a draw. Um, but yeah, you, you're always there's so many different ways you can play football, and unfortunately, they know how to, and a lot of teams know how to ruffle up Arsenal. It's just it's a historical thing. Um, like I said, it's getting better, um, but there's there's still that that lack of, I guess, tenacity sometimes from your team that that just means it lets other teams get in at you. Uh, talking about VAR. It shouldn't have been a goal, man. I'm going to be honest. It shouldn't have been <laughs> a goal. Thank you. <laughs> for, for multiple reasons. Not just the foul. The ball was out of play. It was an offside. Like, but then again, the way Arteta was crying at like the post-interview, it's like, come on. Like, every club this season has already had those kind of shitty decisions. But you've got to take it on the chin almost, you know? Crying about I worry, it. I do nothing. I, I worry that that was a bit of, uh, you know... Uh... Roberto Martinez, or not Roberto Martinez, um, you know, a bit of a, a, a Rafa Benitez. Rafa moment Benitez, where, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he kind of cracked up in the press conference. That was, you know, Mourinho successfully baited him into that. But this yeah. felt a little bit like that. I had less of a problem, though, with the manager going off and trying to, what he's really trying to do is cultivate a siege mentality, which is a very Mourinho mm-hmm. thing, and also try and influence future decisions. That's one thing to me. The club coming out with a statement, I'm not sure that I can get on board because now we are verging on the victim mentality. And now mm-hmm. when we go away to, I mean, Manchester what? City has bullied us in the, in the past with, mm-hmm. on the physical side of the game. We're going to get it everywhere, I think. Yeah. But, I mean, Liverpool have, they complained aggressively as well with VAR and then they started getting some very dodgy decisions their way. <laughs> it might work. You never know, man. It just seems like no one really understands what they're doing when it comes to VAR. Like, there's six, seven different people 
giving opinions onto most of these things are clear cut. You know, I don't understand why it takes five, six minutes for a very simple decision to be made. So, yeah. And also, they got they don't have a camera that is on the goal line. I mean, how much money are we spending to put on these matches every time? I mean, it's we, millions we of dollars. We mean to scrap it. It's, it's not doing what it was designed to do. It's causing more controversy than when we just left it to human beings and just, you know, down to the discretion of the ref on the day. Like, you can kind of get angry on the day if a referee makes a mistake. You look back and be like, look, how could you do that? And you move on. You talk about it for a day at, at best. But now with VAR, we have no excuse. It's here to eliminate any doubt. And it's thrown up more issues. So for me, man, get rid of it. Yeah, I'm not, the, I'm not the first to say it, but I feel like it used to be you got screwed sometimes and sometimes you were the beneficiary and it kind of evened out. Now yeah. it, it doesn't feel like it evens out. Maybe it still does, but it, I don't feel like it does. And we spend three times as much time talking exactly. about it. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, in the spirit of that, I won't complain about everything. All I have to say is that <laughs> two hands in the back it's is a foul. It's a foul. And like, imagine if you go down the other end to the other box and Gabrielle puts two hands in the back of Joe Ellenson Mm -hmm. in their box, it would be called a foul free kick. The, you know, Nick Pope is taking a 60 yard, you know, (laughs) lobbed free kick. Uh, It just drove me crazy. The the one final element I would touch on is the physicality. And I do think Mm -hmm. last season was the most confident I've ever felt since I started watching the Arsenal in 2006 when we yeah. would wear those black jerseys and mm-hmm. we would go, we'd wear the black kits, you get in the tunnel. That was the first time I felt as an observer that the other team looked at Saliba, Gabrielle, Ben White, even Granit Xhaka's not. He's sort of cut from Granit. He's a big dude. Yeah. Even Gabriel Jesus is not the biggest guy. He's 5'9", but he's a warrior up there. Yeah. That yeah. was the first time I felt like we would get in the tunnel and they, people would get that feeling down their spine, like it was Patrick Vieira on the other side, that they were going to get some. Mm-hmm. I don't actually feel that it's quite the same this season. I feel like as much as our defensive record has improved, yeah. I'm not sure that we are as imposing. Maybe it's those egregious away jerseys that we rolled <laughs> out. But uh, I don't know what your, your perception is, you know, last season to this in terms of like what, what kind of threat and proposition the Arsenal look like. Um, I, I think, again, it boils down mainly to, to Declan Rice. I think he's added that extra steel and his reading of game is like world-class. So he's cutting out a lot of counter-attacks. So that was the way to always get at Arsenal. Suck, suck pressure, take it in, hit it on the break. But with Declan, he kind of like eliminates that most of the time. Um, so I think you've actually have improved, you know, that, that steel, but it's been at the cost fluidity it's been at the cost of dominating games putting constant pressure on teams and wearing them down to getting that goal getting that that last minute winner that happened a few times last season for you um i don't know man it just seems a bit disjointed and then when odegaard is not there just linking the midfield and the attack and like you said your wide players aren't aren't beating their men consistently and putting dangerous crosses in then off the bench who do you really have Trossard, I rate as a player, but Vieira, he's hit and miss at times. Um, who are Smith Rowe, injury prone? You just you just don't have anything to really change games for you. You know, I think that that's what you're missing. 
Yeah, I, I think the biggest loss is actually Urian Timber, who, if True. he had not, I mean, that, that was Arsenal 101, you know, big signing ACL first, first <laughs> match of the season. But, you know, he had some of that Sinchenko ability on the ball, but also was a phenomenal athlete yeah. uh, who could really get about the pitch. And I just think a lot of our plan for the season was built around him and the ability when Zinchenko wasn't there, we, he's, he's in there. He can play across the back line. I think Tomiyasu yeah. has, you know, come back into some form, come back into contention. Also a pretty big dude to have out there, which is nice. I mean, we're basically playing four, four center backs away from home, sort of the way that City did in the run-in. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about Jorginho is, is not providing the, the forward progression it. that Thomas Partey did in that sixth role. And I think yeah. that's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's just disjointed. That's that's it, really. It's disjointed at the moment. Well, speaking of which, we better move on to Manchester United. <laughs> do we do we have to? Yeah, I think it, it has to be done. You know and what? You got one of those ones where you go away with three points, so you can't really be mad, but you're still mad. Like it's just so painful watching us, and. The same players that Ten Hag was looking to ship are the ones that are saving him. McTominay, mm. Maguire. Like, we've got a 35-year-old in Johnny Evans back in our starting eleven and benching Varane. Like, it just doesn't make sense what's going on. So, yeah, man, it, it wasn't, wasn't enjoyable. Another, I don't agree with the VAR decision. Actually, mm, if I'm being honest, it, it probably he did interfere with play. But the reason why I don't agree with it is because there's been more obvious decisions, like the City one with Akanji or Ake, where that was like clear cut. So the problem is always the inconsistencies with these things. Um, but yeah, I think we're, you see that every every weekend yeah. you see yeah. what what Maguire did, and it's yeah. it's not ruled out. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. So. I know it's bad luck, man. We've had some terrible decisions go against us this season, and football's just fine margins, you know. Against Tottenham, handball against you guys, the offside guy, natural goal, even the the challenge on Hodgson from Gabriel, like another weekend, all of them decisions go our way, and it's changed the whole outlook of our season. Um, but again, like if we're basing on how well we're progressing as a team down to VAR, there's clearly an issue with with coaching with with management, with desire. Like, I could go on about your life, mate. <laughs> well, I do I have to say, I do have to say one thing about the decisions, which is that you guys should have caught a fat L against Wolves on the, on the opening day. But when Onana cleared that guy out, and you guys were spared that one as well. But yeah, yeah I do. The roundabouts, you're right, you're right. Yeah. But one decision that should have gone against us, that doesn't mean we should now get five. That doesn't go our way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm still not over them not drawing the lines in that uh, Arsenal-Brentford <laughs> match last season. <laughs> that was, they, they shipped Lee Mason off to Australia or something after that. He was never seen yeah, again. Yeah, they did. And Anthony Taylor's now... You go, yeah. Yeah, Anthony Taylor's now been demoted to the championship. But only for a weekend, I feel like. Then they're, they come back. The guys <laughs> that, that screwed the pooch against Tot in, in the Tottenham-Liverpool match... They were gone for forty-eight hours, and then they're back doing this, doing this thing again. It's insanity yeah. to me. 
Do you think there's anything sinister going on? I think it's hard. You know, I do uh, fly by that old saying that, you know, when in doubt, it's probably incompetence uh, Mm -hmm. rather than corruption. I just think it's sort of an old boys club, the the PGMOL. These guys are all from the same. They're all from like a 30 mile radius in Manchester. Yeah. I've heard some, some folks have said that maybe they feel threatened by VAR in a way. They feel the technology creeping in, you know, it's almost <laughs> like, like AI their jobs being automated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they sort of stick together as a result. And they, they also have this very cozy relationship with the British broadcasters. Yeah. So yeah. I, do, I do find something, that's where I find the, um, the suspect element. Uh, mm-hmm. the, that there's this running PR campaign where Howard yeah. Webb is a personable guy who goes on the tele television. Yeah, it's coming like a and, celebrity now, isn't he? Yeah, and it's, again, right. like the the old ideal. This is again an old saying, but you know, the best referee is one that you didn't notice on the day that you exactly. don't talk about. And now exactly. he's, you know, you got Mike Dean, who's a TV star, which was <laughs> inevitable. That was inevitable when he was a, you know, I could see that when he was still yeah. on the field, he was trying to be. King of the castle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But now they're running these PR campaigns where it's it's most they're spending as much time explaining away these decisions. Like, why don't you just get it right? Especially when you started the season saying that you're gonna crack down on time wasting and talking back to the refs. It's like, why don't you concentrate on getting the basic decisions right? It's that's the thing, it's basic decisions. It's not those like fine margins where you're thinking it could go either way. They're so clear cut. And that's what's frustrating for fans. Like it's killing the sport. Every like every time anyone scores now, you're literally holding your breath for five minutes. You didn't want to celebrate too early now. Like it's literally killing it. So I don't know. No, they need I, to be talking about it. I agree completely that I think I would rather just not have it because then at least when you score a goal and there's no flag and there's no whistle, you celebrate. Yeah. Exactly. Then you go back to the halfway line, you keep playing the match. Instead of, not only do the, these goals get ruled out for no reason, but also mm-hmm. when they're ruled out, that becomes like a goal for the other team. And yeah. the, the whole state, if they're at home, the stadium mm-hmm. rises up. You know, let's say it had happened at St. James's Park. The stadium yeah. would have risen up and said, oh, now we're on them because they they're going to be crestfallen after this decision. It's, yeah. just, it's too much referee. It's too, they're too much in the game. Nobody is tuning in to see... You know, Mike Dean do a pirouette <laughs> as he like gives somebody a yellow card. Like nobody wants this. Yeah. What What did you think of uh, of Fulham or or even a United team? Like, do you see movement coming from us? Fulham, I think, are are in a similar situation to the Arsenal. They they need a goal scorer. I don't think that they're yeah. that bad. And I think Marco Silva is one of the better managers. He's a top half yeah. manager. I would say they're, they're probably the ninth best team in the league. Yeah. Uh, but uh, um, they've just never been the same, I would say, since the departure of uh, Mitrovic. Alexander Mitrovic. Yeah. And they're, the people they've brought in to replace them are not clinical at all. Mm-hmm. You know, this finicious character, I, I don't see it at the Premier League level. Yeah, yeah, I don't um, It's sad what happened with Raul Jimenez, who, speaking of never been the same, never mm-hmm. been the same after he sc- uh, fractured his skull. Against Arsenal, actually, David Luiz, yeah. the, the clown show. Um, <laughs> so it is. It's a sad situation there, but they have a lot of players that. I mean, I think Paulinho obviously, you know, Polly. should have been going to Bayern. He yeah. will be going somewhere. I I would love to see the Arsenal go get him this summer. But 
Okay. Um, they have some. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think Thomas Party. The, the underappreciated thing about this season is that Thomas Party's not playing because yeah. for the first sixty percent of last season, I rated him higher than Rudry. I, I thought he was a better passer of the ball, not as good cutting out. Yeah, yeah, not quite as good cutting stuff out, and he's actually not as much of a physical presence as you might think because he's a big guy. Yeah, he's more of a passer. He's a deep playmaker. He's almost a Pirlo type, and yeah. that whole right side of the team has broken down. Saka, Odegaard, Ben White—they don't look the same without him there. Yeah. I think we need to some, we need to make a change in there. Somebody else needs to come in. Jorginho is like the king of the the horseshoe around the box <laughs> where we're just going. It, it reminds me of the Unai Emery era, which is funny to say yeah. because he's doing so well now, but. Uh, uh, we got sidetracked from Fulham. <laughs> they, <laughs> uh, you know, they can't defend. Tim Ream, love him, a, an American who's made his way in the in the Premier League, probably not at the level. Yeah. Um, and that Bassey character who was next to him also, you know, left-footed center back playing right yeah, back. I, mean, I don't know. I don't even know why he left He left Ajax. I yeah. thought he was, in, he was in the right team, young player playing Champions League. I don't know. I guess it's probably just down to money. Yeah. I mean, everybody... It's crazy. You know, if you're going to move to Bournemouth now, you're, you're going to pay. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You're going to pay better than most other, you know, top four clubs in Europe. So, yeah. yeah it's true. As far as United, I mean, I find it, I just find Ten, Ten Hog Ball so uninspiring. I always did. Mm-hmm. Last season, I thought they played like a small team. They Everywhere they went, they were trying to counterattack, especially against the Arsenal. Like, yeah, you know, it, it, to me, I could see their game plan. It was effective. It was get the ball to Bruno on the half turn, so him, he can find yeah. Rashford streaking through. Not a bad. I mean, they almost United almost won again at at the Emirates with that. Yeah, uh, in the same way. Yeah. yeah, and it's not. I, you know, I don't hate that. I wish Arsenal would play that, that way more often, to be honest. But I think United only play that way, yeah. and they just yeah. don't seem to have. Rashford is not having a great season. I think the right wing situation is disastrous with Anthony. Um, but they also I think he possibly could be going down as the worst Premier League signing. Definitely uh, in recent atrocious. He yeah. spends more time on the ground and this, these weird demonstrating with and, people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I've yeah. never seen anything like it. Uh, he's never taken on his fullback that I've mm. seen. He does not. I mean, he did score that one goal against Arsenal last season, but I mean, he scored a few goals last season. Bayern yeah, as well. He did, yeah, yeah. He scored a few. Um, not Bayern, sorry, uh, Barcelona. Yeah, I just don't see him attacking his fullback, creating overloads there. Um, I, I don't see him doing the things you need him to do, and he's not on the business end of things. And the you know the striker situation, maybe Hoyland will work out. I, I'm I'm not convinced he won't work out, but. There's just so many problems all around. I mean, you yeah, must be frustrated. He's he's too raw, um, and I think there's a lot of potential there. I mean, the stat is we haven't created one chance for him in 160 minutes of football. Like that is shocking at a club like United. Um, but yeah, I mean, the way we played last season was very pragmatic. It was about getting the results, and the most effective way was, like you said, playing those in between line balls from. From Fernandez, which meant that we wasn't sustaining pressure on teams. We wasn't dominating teams. It was very, it was very much playing football at moments. And because we have world class or up there kind of players, more times than not, you're gonna get the winner and you're gonna you're gonna beat teams. But 
against measured teams, against teams in a low block, against, you know, teams that, that can play on the back foot and suck in pressure, we're, we're useless. We don't have a plan B. Um, and our plan A, again, is very, very much determined by how much another team wants to come at us. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a progression. The way he's playing at Ajax, I understand that we don't have the same kind of players. Not even technically, I think mentally is the issue. Tactically, our players don't know where to be. We switch off a lot of the times. Um, I mean, the goal in the Carling... I always call it Carling Cup still, but <laughs> Carabao Cup, um, where like Dallo just... He switches off. He literally watches his player making a run and switches off, only starts sprinting when it's too late. Like These are basic Sunday League like level mistakes that we're making. So... I don't know, man. For me, just bin the whole team, start again, get a director of football in, and let's actually figure out a way of playing. Like, the whole Man United DNA, I'm tired of it. Like, that DNA worked 15, 20 years ago. Football has gone... And that was one thing Ferguson was amazing at. He could always reinvent his size to be successful, you know, depending on the current times. Like, no one plays that kind of football anymore. We're the only team that still tries to be direct and aggressive and play into the channels and, you know, try and win your 50-50s. It's, it's, it's boring. Honestly, it's boring. Yeah. I just yeah. feel like they have the same issue that Arsenal did for years, which is they were, they're completely dependent on a manager who controls everything. They yeah. never put people in an executive level to run the football side of the club competently. Yeah. And so you have this rudderless ship where a new manager comes in, he spends $500 million or whatever on a yeah. few players. But, you know, sometimes you need a longer vision. And I actually, you know, Arsenal is a different case because Mikel Arteta is more powerful than Edu, the technical director within the club. Yeah. But there is some sort of vision of, like, everybody who's coming in is coming in because we play this way. And at United right now, it's like guys that Ten Hag knows from Ajax, who he thought were pretty good in the Eredivisie. Who, it, clearly, it's a huge step up from the Eredivisie. Um, yeah. And I just don't see... They need somebody in there who's the head of football to say, this is our strategy. Even Chelsea have a strategy. You know, They're like, we're not buying anybody who's 25 years old or older. We're just not <laughs> yeah. going to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's not working for them at the moment. But at least, like you said, they've got a plan. And you understand what the plan is is to build that team in three, four years that hopefully will dominate across across Europe. We, yeah, we just we just look. Like, Ten Hag could easily go in the next couple of months. There's going to be a new manager that's going to give him, like you said, another 300, 400 million that's going to bring in his old players. And again, it's still going to be the same ones that kind of rescue it for them. Like, we brought Onana and we're still playing direct football. It makes no sense what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, that is the thing. You mentioned it. When I look at United every time, uh, you know, Arsenal or anybody are going to play them. I just think this game will hinge on whether Marcus Rashford or Bruno Fernandez make the Come difference yeah. in one moment. That That's really all it is. But that's not high percentage stuff. I think Arsenal have the same problem. They're playing lower percentage football. Mm -hmm. If you don't create a lot of chances and you don't take the ones you have... You could lose one nil to a team that is not at the same technical level. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't. And even Ten Hag, he's he's kind of like basing our progression and us improving our performances on two defenders. 
on Martinez and Shaw to allow us to build out from the back. But even with that, where is the ball rotation in midfield? Is it Amrabat that's going to be playing? Is it Casemiro? Is Bruno still going to be playing Hollywood balls? What's happening with right wing? What's happening with the Santo situation? Like, Martial comes on and he just looks like he's not bothered. There's just so there's so many things that's wrong that we just need to start again. We literally need to just start again, start the club from scratch. I wouldn't even mind being demoted to the championship. Let's just let's just start fresh. Like as honestly what we need. And that's what Arsenal had and is bearing fruit now. Like you guys, I think you came like sixth, eighth, eighth third, or whatever. Row, I think. Yeah. yeah. But you saw a progression in the way you was trying to play. And even the personnel change in the squad was fitting that you know, that that plan. So even when players were getting promoted from, you know, from the reserves or from the youth team or when players were coming in that weren't first team, they were still doing the right job of what Shaka was doing. They're still doing the right job of, of a Martinelli or, or a Saka. There was an understanding. Ben White playing as a right sided, you know, centre back, they're moving right right back, but playing inverted, it, it makes sense. Like it's yeah. Yeah, man, there's, there's just too much issues. I mean, we, we talked about physicality before, but I also feel they really, in the middle of the park, they really lack physicality. I mean, when I, when I see Erickson lining up in there, you know, in a deeper role with, you know, Casemiro does not look the same as he did last season. And if he's not there, they really have nobody who can get about the pitch. I mean, Mason Mount, maybe he's a decent presser, but he's playing a little deeper. He's in the engine room a lot more. I, I just don't. When you look at somebody like City or even Arsenal when they're when they're fit, like there's nobody at United who compete can compete with Declan Rice as no. an athlete. No, no way, no way. Well, well, we can do another RIP for United after next week. <laughs> 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 but maybe maybe they'll put it together. You never know. This this could yeah, have been the the catalyzing moment. Uh, but we could uh, spare a moment uh, for another continent and maybe okay. talk about. Uh, Marcelo, who won his 30th trophy with Fluminense as they were no Yeah, he does deserve it. In the he South does. American Champions League, the Copa Libertadores, they yeah. uh, overcame Boca Juniors, who are also having a tough time, but mm-hmm. somehow got to that, the final of that competition. But, yeah. you know, what are your, you, you, how do you remember, he's still playing, I guess, but how do you remember Marcelo, you know, I think he's in that pantheon of left backs. He is definitely, I don't want to say the best, but in my lifetime, there's not many better than him. So I would put Marcelo alongside Jordi Alba, but I'll, I'll like Marcelo ahead of him just because of longevity. Um, but Jordi Alba, Philip Lahm, those are the, you know, the fullbacks, Ashley Cole. But Marcelo has been doing it consistently, and to go to another continent and do it, to to be, I think Fluminense is their first title they've won, first as well. Yeah. Like that's that's incredible. He's he's definitely got legend status now. Um, yeah, the closest fullback in Brazil's history is only Roberto Carlos, and you could argue that he's done more in his career than Roberto. Yeah, the only so, one I would add is Ashley Cole, who I think was you would phenomenal. say that though. You he would was say phenomenal. That. I mean, I say that as someone who got tortured by him on the other side after, yeah, he, yeah. after he almost fainted due to the pay packet they offered him. <laughs> he went over to Chelsea. And, I mean, I think as a 1v1 defender, he was yeah, formidable. He was yeah. absolutely formidable. 
But Marcelo, you know, he was doing stuff. I mean, it's the Brazilian way, I suppose. But he was doing mm-hmm. stuff in the final third that is outrageous. Just outrageous yeah, he, level of He's skill. reinvented what being a fullback is yeah. in modern-day football. Like, defensively, he wasn't great. But he was so good in possession and in the final third that you didn't really need... You, he wasn't even there to defend. He was just there to, you know, keep the shape, keep in line. And he just... he offered so much for the team that man if you're not a fullback and you're not basing your game on on Marcelo especially Marcelo at Real then you're not you're not doing the right thing mm-hmm. yeah couldn't agree more uh well I guess we we could close with a yeah. little preview of uh Monday's action in the Premier League which will Tottenham. be Tottenham hosting Chelsea mm-hmm. uh you know what do you foresee in this London derby Derbies can always go either way because form always goes out out the window. But Tottenham are on smoke at the moment. They are yeah. on smoke, and there's just a general like belief that I see in the in the in the team now. And there's just like this happiness. They seem to be all enjoying their football, and it's, it must stem from the manager. Um, Chelsea, I don't know, man. They're they're going through transition. Uh, Mudrick started to pick it up a bit, but. Yeah, I'm going for 2-0, 2-0 Tottenham win, man. It'll be interesting to see. I think, I, I don't know if you saw this uh, table that's based on XG, mm-hmm. but uh, according to this table, Chelsea should have won nine out of their first ten matches based on how many chances they're creating. But mm-hmm. I think that tells the story in that it doesn't matter how many chances you create, and this is the flaw of XG in my opinion, if you don't have somebody to finish them up and they don't have a striker. I mean, I'm not convinced by Nicholas Jackson... Armando Broya, always injured, has not proven it at Premier League level when he's fit. Mm-hmm. I assume they're going to go spend $150 million on Usman this mm-hmm. summer. But until then, it's, it's hard to see them competing at the top table because you can keep a lot of clean sheets, but if you leak a goal and you don't score enough goals, that's what happens. You're going to lose all, matches. All games, yeah, for sure. Do you see them breaking top four? I do not. Yeah, they could. I could see top six. Um, okay. Maybe I guess it's top seven now with the with the yeah. new Champions League setup. Um, mm-hmm. I could see it. I, I do think over the course of the season, Spurs will revert to the mean. I I don't think they're as good as they look. Mm-hmm. I think they've had an easy schedule, easy fixture schedule to open. You know, they played Liverpool. We all know what happened there. Arsenal, Jorginho. They played well against Arsenal, but Jorginho gave yeah. them an equalizer. Yeah. So I, they need to go out and do it in this kind of match. I could see Man City just tearing them to shreds. Yeah, 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 um, for, sure. for sure. So I do think that, you know, Spurs will be in a top four scrap, which is no shame at all. I mean, I, I think they're a good mm. side. I don't know that Chelsea are even at, at that level. Um, mm. They're one of the best defensive records in, in the division. And they, you know, Thiago Silva, speaking of timeless, just amazing. Um and they, they'll keep that record, I think, although there's some questions at goalkeeper. but mm-hmm. And I think they have a great partnership in midfield. I think Enzo uh, Fernandez and Caicedo, Moises Caicedo, are the real deal. Right. Even if it base. takes a minute. Yeah, I mean, talk yeah. about getting around the pitch. Yeah. They, they're going to be something to, you know, they have that yeah. sort of Makaleli build where they can really get around. Um, yeah. Or, you know, a Conte situation. Um, 
But, you know, it's at the sharp end of things. You know, Raheem Sterling, he seems to either score a hat trick or he's anonymous. <laughs> they just don't see. You know, in, in the NFL, they call it a boom or bust player. And, I, you know, I, I think that's, that's where they're at now, where they might have a day where they put three or four past people because Raheem's in a good mood. And I do, I rate yeah. him. I mean, I think he's a great player. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. They, they just don't have enough at the sharp end. I want to touch on something very, very quickly before we, mm-hmm. before we head off, right? You mentioned goalkeeping situation at Chelsea. What's, what's your take on your goalkeeping situation? I thought it was the wrong decision mm-hmm. to pull your, you know, Yashin Award-nominated uh, goalkeeper mm, on a whim, that. essentially. It's not like, you know, Ramsdale, by the way, we talk about David Raya has mistakes. Ramsdale has a mistake in him. But Aaron Ramsdale saw us through to an, almost a title last season. And yeah. I, I wouldn't blame him for what happened. What happened is that Saliba and Party were injured in the yeah. final third of the season. But I don't, I don't, I just, it, it's not even about whether he's better than Raya. It's that it's the wrong thing to do for the dressing room, for the squad. Mm-hmm. Ramsdale is so critical to the culture of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, he has such a relationship with, the supporters, and then when he made the move, Mikel Arteta said that he was gonna. Why are people trying to pigeonhole him into picking a number one? I'm gonna sub keepers. I'm gonna play them whenever I feel like it. Uh, making it seem like it's a horses for courses situation, where there are times yeah. when David Raya is the right pick, times when uh, Aaron Ramsdale will have the number one jersey again. But it hasn't been that way. He has a new number one. And I don't know yeah. why he's talking that way when he makes the move. So the whole thing has been, to me, a total self-imposed headache. And then we get to the crescendo of it, that David Raya, as much as he plays an amazing uh, long ball that sort of sk- like seems to skim the air right above the defense yeah. and is almost impossible to cut out when he has it right, but he also puts it out of bounds plenty of times. And he's back there, and if there's pressure, everybody loses their heads. The, the crowd is losing it. I, I just think he had to wait until something happened. And I, it doesn't feel like a meritocracy to me. That's my biggest issue this season in general, is that yeah. it doesn't feel like a meritocracy. Kai Havertz starting from match week one, not a meritocracy. Nah. Leandro Trossard was the best player in preseason. You might yeah. have a, maybe Arteta doesn't think he's as good off the ball, you know, yeah. pressing physically. But he should have been playing. He should have yeah. been in the team. Yeah. And it's this kind of thing. I mean, the uh, players, they want to feel like it's a meritocracy. They want to mm. feel like if they work hard in training and they get it done, they are being out there. And I, I don't know that they have that feeling this season. What do you, what do you yeah. see from the other side? Yeah, to be honest, it makes no sense. And I think that Arteta's probably got into this season trying to be a bit too clever. A bit too clever with the whole habits, reinventing him to a number eight. The whole goalkeeping situation, he literally, all he needed to do was just buy a replacement for um, for Shaka and just keep things as it was. Like, yeah. you guys would have been, I think, in a better position. You're not in a terrible position now. So, you know, it's not all, all doom and gloom. But I just think if this continues, you guys, are, you're going you're gonna to fall behind, I think. Cause I think it, that's it's true. You're going to breed in, breed in to the rest of the squad. You can't. You can't go for a more defensive outlook, which I think we have, but still leak goals, which we have, even though we do have a good defensive record on paper, we leak goals. 
And, yeah. you know, I would classify what happened in Newcastle as leaking a goal. I don't think they created very much. And that can yeah. happen. Okay, it can happen sometimes. But on the flip side, you've given up all your fluidity. It doesn't seem like... even I think Alexander Zinchenko is a good example of this, where he was one of the, at the beat, he was the beating heart of our passing moves along with Thomas Partey. But even he has sort of concentrated more on the left-backing aspect of his hybrid yeah, role. Yeah, rather than inverted like, playmaking. He still will, will drift in, but I, I think mentally he's like, I got burned at the end of last season and yeah. cost us a couple results. And I just think that that's sort of the whole team has that mentality and we're just not, and we're not, the ball is not moving as quickly and it's not mm-hmm. moving forward. It's going sideways, even when we camp out in the opponent's third, which we're very good at because Declan Rice can help us trap people. And that's mm-hmm. the way we want to play. You clear it, we trap you, we come again. But we don't actually come again. It's, we're yeah, just like going around the wall that they've built, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not as penetrative, for sure. No. But there's always next week. And I guess always there's next week, week uh, for our podcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, uh, we've got Champions League as well midweek, so... Yeah, we, yeah, I think it's worth touching on. I mean, do you think the United are going to climb out of this group? <sighs> the United fan that started supporting United from the age of seven will always say, yes, we can do it. But the older, more seasoned, smarter, more reasonable, just I just don't see it. I mean, we might get through Copenhagen. Probably, but that's about it. Galatasaray away. <laughs> that's a scary fixture. That's a legitimately scary, scary fixture. Yeah. Scary. Um, yeah, even buying at home. I mean, our home and our away record is pretty much the same nowadays. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Who are your top three to uh, to win the Champions League? You said uh... so. City, Bayern. And you're gonna, you have to always say, you always have to put Real Madrid there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. I actually but think I Barcelona would... are a decent shout. I, it sounds crazy, but I, I actually think they're better than they have appeared. And they, mm. their defensive record last season was actually phenomenal, which is not mm. what you would expect with, you know, Chavi behind the wheel and, you know, the yeah. whole ethos. I, I think I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something. And my other one is Internazionale. Inter Milan are really? Inter Milan. If you look at their record in Syria, uh, at least coming into this weekend, they mm-hmm. uh, had 25 goals scored, five conceded. Like they they have yeah. a phenomenal record on both sides of the ball. Granted, Syria is not the Champions League level, but they were in the final last year. They were in the final. They were in the final. We'll and they play. They play very. Like they play very pragmatic as well. They, uh, they know how to win. They know how to grind out results when they need to. And they can be expansive in their play. So, yeah, not a bad shout. But the dark horse, I hear it. Yeah. I hear it. You know who's not going to be there? The Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> or United, man. But, hey, there's always Europa League. For sure. For League. sure. Well, Manny, thank you for joining me for our uh, inaugural cool. episode. It was and a lot of fun. Back again next week, yeah? For sure. uh, Thanks, everybody, for joining us and tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next week. All right, guys. Peace. Later.